0: Okay, um, my turn to say good morning to everyone. I actually feel very convicted about what I want to present to you this morning. It's made a big impact on myself in preparing it, and so my prayer has been that it will make an impact upon you as you sit through it this morning. We're thinking now about the makeover of the mind, and this takes us into the whole realm of spiritual transformation how under the new covenant, under the gospel, we are to live transformed lives. So I want us to think about that and I want us to start with where we are. Think of the various desires that people around us can have in life and which sometimes we can share because the desires are not for things that are bad in themselves necessarily. The desire for um, a perfect home and an ideal family the desire for good health and fitness, desire for the latest accessories and gizmos, uh, the desire perhaps for a, a car, even though it's a hybrid car, it's one well worth having, it's a, an i8 Beamer. And so we have desires for various things that we find in different degrees attractive to us. The Bible speaks about desires, we remember the Bible verse in Psalm 37 and verse 4, which speaks about the desires of our heart. And I want to focus on that for a moment. The word that very often is used in the New Testament for desires is epithumia. It means a deep, passionate longing. It's not necessarily bad, although it was when James used it, and he spoke about Christians whose lives were in turmoil And he pointed to the source of the problem. He was saying to them that their pleasures were warring amongst them. They desired things and they didn't have them. And so it led them to commit murder. What an indictment upon those believers. So those were inordinate desires. But it's used of the Lord Jesus when he said to his disciples that With great desire, he desired to eat the Passover with them. So this word desire is not in itself a wrong thing. It depends what it's focused upon. Now, Peter, in his writings, eight times he uses this word for desire. We know one of Peter's favourite words is precious. He writes about precious things. But I think before we can share the sense of preciousness in the things Peter writes about, We need to have the right attitude to these desires. Because Peter writes about us not being conformed to the former lusts or desires. The word lust is the word for this deep desire. By the way, can I just say, I see many of you taking notes. All the slides can be given to you later. Uh, If it frees you up from slavishly writing everything down, that's a help to you, I trust. But uh, we'll look at these things later also. Peter went on to say, abstain from fleshly lusts that war against the soul. And then he says that we are not to live the rest of our time for the lusts of men, but for the will of God. And then he speaks about how through God's promises, we have become sharers of the divine nature Having escaped from the corruption that's in the world through lust. Lust is this word for a strong, passionate desire. And these were wrong desires that Peter was writing to the believers about. And we want to think about where our desires are pointed at today. Desire takes us to our our motivation. And we're going to think about spiritual disciplines that will deal with breaking bad habits and forming good habits. I also want to say at the beginning that I think there's a dynamic that works here in our topic. And it starts with the spirit, our own human spirit, and our spirit directs our mind. And whatever our mind is set upon filters or penetrates down into our heart and our heart is the core of our being biblically it's where we process things remember Daniel says in Daniel 1 and 8 it says he purposed in his heart the heart is where decisions are made decisions that have big consequences in our lives because from the heart come the issues of life and our whole being, our soul Is characterised by the decisions of our heart. So I want us to keep that sequence in mind in what we're saying this morning. Our human spirit as it directs the mind, our mind. The mind as it gets set on truth and filters down into the heart. The heart as it shapes our will and produces a modified lifestyle. Transformed through the gospel and the work of our Lord. But you might say, Brian, you're supposed to be talking about the mind. You've talked more about the heart. Well, I want us to see the connection between the mind and the heart. Truth enters through the mind, and as we grasp it and focus on it, it penetrates down into the heart. Perhaps some have seen the movie some while ago that was called A Beautiful Mind. It was based on the true story of the mathematician John Nash. God is the great divine mathematician, and Dave has reminded us how he he shaped the formless earth at the beginning in Genesis chapter 1, and produced something beautiful from it, which we have spoiled, but it was there in pristine beauty from God's hand at the very beginning. And now we're thinking about how God can reform our minds, which have been bent out of shape by the ugliness of sin, Let's think about that together now. And just to highlight the connection between the heart and the mind, a quote from Ravi, who says that when the mind is rightly approached, it filters down into the heart. Through the mind, into the heart. You know, in the time of John Wesley, in the 18th century in our country, God's word entering into people's lives, made a tremendous impact upon society. Historians have said that if it wasn't for Wesley's reformation under God, England would have suffered most likely a revolution, such as befell France. God's word at that time, in that revival of the 18th century, had such a terrific effect upon society. It was reformed. People who were drunkards, people who are into drugs, into all kinds of blood sports, The society was impacted by the word of God. You know, in the 1980s, the Gallup Poll Group did a study in America and found that a very high percentage of Americans professed to believe that the Bible was the word of God. And then when they asked Christians their view on moral and ethical things, and compared it to the view of society as a whole, there was negligible difference between the values of Christians and the values of society as a whole. What had happened? Why had revival not produced reformation as in the time of the 18th century in England? I think the key element in this is the personal attention that we pay to spiritual transformation. God's word comes to us. We've heard the power of God's word to change lives. But God's word can come to us. And unless we pay daily attention to God's word, there's no spiritual transformation in our day-by-day lives. We're changed for eternity. But is that difference seen day-by-day in our lives as we live here as Christians? So we want to think about how this transformation comes about. It comes about through the renewing of our mind. This is the makeover of the mind that we're talking about this morning. Perhaps in our terminology, we would talk about rebooting our head. It's the renewing of the mind. And there are four great New Testament Bible texts that speak about the renewing of the mind. Here's the first of them in Romans chapter 12. Romans 12 and verse 2 speaks about the renewing of our mind. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. You know, if we don't work at the renewing of our mind, then the default position is... We will not be transformed. And an untransformed life is a poor testimony. It means we'll think like the world around us, not distinctively as Christians, but like the world around us. And instinctively and brainlessly, we will like what society as a whole likes, whether it's on Facebook or whatever. If we don't put our brains in gear, if we don't have our minds renewed, we will like what the world likes. But we are to be different. We are not to be conformed to the world. David's brought before us the concept of a mould. And here it is in this Bible verse in Romans 12. We're not to allow the world to squeeze us into its mould. But we are to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. That is by having our, our perceptions, our values adjusted By what we read in God's word day by day. We've heard about how this transformation. The word that's used here in Romans 12 is the word metamorphosis. It is that remarkable change from the caterpillar into the butterfly. It's also the word that's used to describe what happened to our Lord. In Matthew chapter 17. On the mount of transfiguration. When he was transfigured before them. That's the same word transformed. Talk about from darkness to light. That light should be seen in our daily lives as Christians, from transformed lives. But that's not the default position. We have to be active in seeking the renewal of our mind through engaging with God's word day by day. And one characteristic of a renewed mind is we will affirm that God's will is best. That's what it leads to. Another scripture portion is in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, round about the middle of the chapter. Paul here is talking about how he was carrying about in his body the dying of Jesus. And then he says, our outer man is decaying, but our inner man is being renewed day by day. For momentary light affliction is producing for us An eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. Paul knew what he was speaking about. He had catalogued some of the afflictions he had experienced in serving the Lord through the gospel. The mistreatments that he had known. His theme there is about blessings out of buffetings. And this man Paul knew all about those buffetings. And yet he wouldn't have been without them. He gloried that he bore branded in his body the marks of Christ. He counted it an honour and a privilege to be carrying about in his body the dying of Jesus. It was his longing expressed in Philippians 3 that he might become more like Jesus in his death. That's the great blessing through the Buffetings. Living such that we are prepared to be personally disadvantaged for the benefit of others. That's becoming like Jesus in his death. And it's another hallmark of the renewed mind. And then we come to Colossians chapter 3. I think if there's one scripture portion that encapsulates what we're speaking about today, it's Colossians chapter 3 and the first 17 verses. Again, it's about renewal. It says, you have been raised up with Christ. Seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above and put on the new self who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. Living at a higher level. You know, the part that we missed out for the sake of space and time as we went through Colossians chapter 3 in the early verses there is the bit that also tells us that we have died with Christ, and our lives are hidden with Christ in God. Therefore, by the Spirit, we are to put to death the deeds of the body. We are to consider as dead our members here upon the earth. And Paul identifies what they are. Immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, greed. Which is idolatry. These things have to be put away from our lives. As we put on the new self. Which is being renewed. Unto a true knowledge. After the image of the one who created him. That transformation is to be seen in our lives. Day by day. The last, the fourth. Reference to renewal. In the New Testament scriptures. Again it's. Us being renewed in the spirit of our mind. It's the makeover of the mind. Takes us to Ephesians chapter 4. Again, about halfway through the chapter we'll break in. And here Paul is saying, walk no longer just as the Gentiles. In the futility of their mind, being darkened in their understanding. Excluded or alienated from the life of God. And with their hardness of heart, they've given themselves over to sensuality. He says, but you did not learn Christ in that way. He says, now in reference to your former manner of life, lay aside the old self and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of truth. You see, there's a two-way activity that's required of us here. We've got to forsake the old futile ways. We've got to lay aside the old self. And we've got to learn Christ as a replacement. We've got to put on the new self. Out with the old and in with the new. And it's through the renewal of the spirit of our mind that these things are brought about and this spiritual transformation takes hold in our lives just to emphasise how this works out practically. Because I'm very conscious we can speak about these noble things, but we have to to find out how this works out in the nitty-gritty of our lives and experience. Well, I think God gave us a wonderful tutorial when it comes to Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 4. And he wanted his people... To get into his word and then to live different lives and not be like the nations around them. And so we have this wonderful teaching about who God is and how we should love him. How they should have loved him long ago. And God says through Moses, these words which I am commanding you today shall be upon your heart. This transformation we're talking about. Can only be brought about when God's word is laid upon our heart. And how does that work out? We need to be those who rehearse God's word, we need to memorize it. That's what God's method of instruction was long ago. He says, This is how my word will come to be upon your heart. He says, You'll talk about it when you sit at the table. You'll talk about it when you walk down the street. You'll talk about it when you get up in the morning. And when you go to bed at night. It'll be your all absorbing passion. That's how my word will rest upon your heart. That's how it will have an impact upon your life. And so I want to commend to you the memorization of scripture. Perhaps we don't do as much of it as we used to. In Sunday schools and camp times we used to be forced to learn God's word. It's a great discipline. Can I recommend again memorising God's word. And if you want an exercise, a practical exercise to take away from here. I suggest Colossians chapter 3 verses 1 to 17. Because if you memorise those 17 verses and it's very doable. It takes work but it's doable. And it's the whole process of transformation that's encapsulated there in those 17 verses. Now, you might say, but I don't have a good memory. Well, I'm not sure there's such a thing as a good memory and a bad memory, but I do know there's such a thing as an untrained memory and a trained memory. And God was teaching his people long ago how to train their memories, and he says it's by repetition, it's by rehearsal. Talk about it at the table. Talk about it when you're out in the street walking with your families. Talk about it when you get up in the morning. Talk about it when you go to bed at night. Repetition. Rehearsal. And so we can memorise scripture. And I think if you want the cure for an untrained memory, I'm suggesting we can find the cure in the word cure itself. If we take those initial letters. C for concentration. We turn to God's word and we switch the television off. We go where we're undistracted, switch the phone off, concentrate on our text before us. Make sure we understand it. It's so much easier to to learn something and absorb it when we understand it. If we don't understand it immediately, which is very often the case, talk to someone, read books, ask our overseers. Make sure we understand God's word. And then it's all about repetition from then on. Repeating it until it's in our memory. The Lord had scripture in his mind. There's no shortcut. The Lord would have read God's word day by day. And when he was on the cross, in life's deepest agony, the scriptures flowed through his mind. When we're in crisis, we need the scriptures to be in our minds. They'll only be in our minds if we've concentrated understood them, and repeated and repeated until they're there, absorbed, filtering down into our heart. When I was in school, it was long enough ago for us to have the three R's drummed into us. And that's not very educational to start with because they aren't three R's, are they? Unless phonetically, of course. But I want to give you the four R's this morning. And they do all begin with R. And it's revelation. And it's revival and it's renewal and it's reformation. And I believe they work in that order as the four R's. And that engages our human spirit and our mind and our heart and our soul in sequence. And it's through the exercise of Christian spiritual disciplines. There's no rocket science here. These are simple things but they do require us getting down to them. And really making them a feature of our lives. We allow God to communicate to us. That happens when we read his word. And because God's word is living and active, that of itself brings revival to us. As we memorise scripture, it has an impact on our mind. And our mind is then set for renewal. Our values and perceptions adjusted from the worldly way of thinking to God's way of thinking. And as we grasp its truth, it penetrates down into our heart. And in our heart, our will is formed and shaped. And that then issues in the life of our soul. A transformed life. But that process has to be gone through. The four R's work through the elements of our existence. Now... Let me just show you this picture of a certain United States president. But who is he? There'll be differing views. Perhaps it's Bill Clinton. But then again, maybe it's George W. Bush. Of course, it's photoshopped to make sure it's ambiguous. It depends how you look at it. It's called the morphing of the president. Somebody was making a satirical political point in doing these things. But as John the Baptist said... This is to be our life with Christ. He must increase. I must decrease. That morphing process. Day by day. Gradually has to take place. Less of me. More of him. Through the input of God's word. Into the mind. Filtering down into the heart. Shaping the will. And transforming our life. Through all our behaviours. You see. The elements of our corrupted character have to be exchanged for the elements of the character of christ it's doable because the scriptures commands it god's not asking us to do something that's not possible with his holy spirit in us and we heard that's the difference between christianity and any religion we have the power to change the power of the holy spirit is living in us and he Mm -hmm. acts on god's word in our lives and so 1 Corinthians 2.16 says, we have the mind of Christ. If our mind is renewed through the study of God's word. Paul could write this wonderful thing in Philippians 1 and 8. He didn't speak of his own affections for the Philippian saints. He said that he had for them the affections of Christ Jesus. So close was Paul's heart beating with the heart of the Lord, he could describe his affections as the affections of Christ Jesus. What about your affections and mine? Are they his or are they ours? And is there a difference? And then it's the love of Christ that's to control us. The love of Christ. His love, not ours. And so the elements of our life can be transformed until they are the elements of Christ's character shining through in us. How does this happen? There's an old word, it's a biblical word, at least in the older versions, and it's mortification. The only way we use it is if we're really embarrassed, dead embarrassed, we're mortified. But that's not how the Bible uses it. We have to go through this process of mortification by the Spirit putting to death the deeds of the body, considering as dead our members here upon the earth. Immorality, impurity, evil desire, passion, greed, That's an active thing we've got to be doing. Mortification. It's the putting off of the old. The laying aside of the old. So that then we can be renewed. In the putting on of the new. In the taking on of the character of Christ. Which is God's goal for each of us. So let's finish up with this. You'll have it in your notes. To absorb the details. But I think this is the model that. ...I've put together to help myself... ...and I hope it helps others. It's the simplest way... ...to become what we are. And simplest... i try tried to design as an acrostic here... ...where the S is from spirit... ...and the IM is the intent of mind... ...and the P is the penetrating into the heart... ...and the L and E is either end of life... ...and the ST is our soul's transformation. And how it works, again is a summary of what we've been saying. It's very practical, but it's not profound. We begin by prayerfully orientating our spirit to God's spirit. That's our human spirit, prayerfully orientated to God's spirit. Romans 8 and 16 tells us that God's spirit witnesses with our spirit. It's the spirit part of our being that communicates with God. So that orientating our spirit to God's spirit we are ready to receive his revelation, which is through his word. Psalm 19 and 7 says, it's the law of the Lord which is perfect, which restores the soul. So we receive that revelation from God. And thus, we read the scriptures intently. Colossians 3 says, with intent of mind. Read the scriptures intently to reboot our mind. To grasp what it's saying so that we attain the knowledge of truth and so learn Christ. And then we commit it to memory. Commit to memory the truth that our mind has been set upon so that it penetrates down into our hearts and we grasp its significance. Proverbs 4 and 23 says, keep the heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. And so in our heart, we reflect on it with purpose of heart. So that it shapes our will. Proverbs 23 and verse 7 says, As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So the word is going to get down into the heart before it can change us. And then we submit our mortified body So that it's poised to do good, rather than instinctively doing evil in God's sight. And so, by that means, we can display modified behaviour in the life of our soul, which is the result of processing altered thinking. It's futile for us to try and modify anyone else's behaviour. It's even futile for us to try to modify our own behaviour. It has to begin in the mind. We need to change our thinking, the renewal of the mind, the makeover of the mind. If that is renewed and it penetrates into the heart, it's the heart that shapes our will and allows our behaviour to be modified. May we find the simplest way to become what we are. Thank you so much for listening.